This is the Decibel Geek Podcast with Aaron Camaro and Chris Sinzak. It's been a huge week for the Decibel Geek Podcast, but we don't let it go to our heads. No, we're here, right here on time for you, just like always. I'm Aaron Camaro, joined as always by Chris Sinzak. Hey, we're in Studio B today. Yeah, we are. This is, uh, I like the surroundings. It's a lot less uh, traffic coming through here, and yeah, nice closed-off space. It's so quiet. It's very it's quiet. Don't get that much at uh, Studio A. No, but if you if you've been online in the last week, it's been anything but peaceful when it comes to Decibel Geek Podcast because we've been everywhere. It's yeah, it's been a crazy week. We had uh, numerous news sites pick up the uh, press release I sent out for our talk with Mark Slaughter. So cool. Um, the big a couple of the biggest ones was uh, Ultimate Classic Rock, a site that is really massive. Um, have never co- covered us before. They did an article about the episode, oh, which man. brought thousands of people to the new website. Decibel That's very Geek. cool. Com. So if you're here for the uh, second time, because you want to stick around and check it out, you're in for a treat today. Yeah, and you know we don't only just do interviews. We do music-based episodes, as you'll hear today. But if you're a fan of Mark Slaughter and the rock and roll that is Vinnie Vincent Invasion <laughs> and Slaughter, you're going you're gonna to fit right in around here. You're going to like it. Yeah, there's lots of and there's a lot of Vinnie Vincent stuff we've done in the past, so check on the uh, yeah. website for that. Yeah, if you're here for the first time because you're a Vinnie Vincent fan, oh boy, look in the archives. And, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And some of you uh, may be checking out the show uh, as a result of our friend Luke Carl mentioning the show on Sirius XM Hair Nation last weekend. Yeah, Luke Carl. So can't you love that guy? He's off hosting the Monsters of Rock Cruise as we speak. I can't think of anybody better to do it. Perfect for it. And uh, yeah, he's a, he's a great guy. He had texted me and told me, I mentioned it on the air. So I was like, thank you, Luke. Really big. really appreciate it. And not, so only, cool. not only the news sites, but tons of great supportive messages from fans that old and new fans that have been with us since the beginning that love the episode and lots of messages from people going hey i just heard your show for the yeah. first time a lot of people saying we asked the right questions well we went to the right people to help us with that uh, the fans yeah. Heck yeah we got some winners you guys got your prizes on the way just say yes. as promised it's all good yeah absolutely and uh yeah i do want to announce the uh, winner of the trivia question prize is a guy named mike stewart he was the first person to answer at feedback at decibelgeek.com the answer to the trivia question he's the man so his, it was a good question i didn't know yeah, the answer yeah it was uh it was boy what a week but yeah it's it's been a crazy week um and don't even forget about the facebook page man holy shit we went over two thousand likes on yeah, facebook yeah that's organic you know yeah it is it truly you is. can't People, cheat that People finding the uh, the fa- fan page uh, pretty regularly, and it's been a good week. It's just a lot of stuff this week. For I just us. I love it because you watch, you even think about that when we first started this, how we didn't know if anybody would even listen, mm-hmm. you know. And then we started the Facebook page, and we didn't know if anybody would even <laughs> like it, you know. And here we go, little by little by little by little, yeah. you know. It wasn't like an overnight success or anything, but little by little, you know, we're getting there. We're yeah, doing good. We are. That shows me that rock and roll. And the people that I love it are alive and well in 2015, and I'm glad that we're all here together waving that flag. True. And uh, we also had uh, some really cool articles go up at decibelgeek.com, uh, one of which is uh, Baco's article called Five Things You'll Need for Northern Invasion. In Wisconsin. That's right. Northern Invasion is a festival show that's going to be happening May 9th in Somerset, Wisconsin. Uh, featuring some of the acts that I'm interested in, Slipknot, Volbeat, Hailstorm, Anthrax, We Are Harlot, and Crowbot. 
Hell yeah, man. Those bands are all awesome. Love all those bands. And uh, it's, and it's a, in Somerset. That's a great... I can tell you from experience, that's a great place to go it? party and rock and roll and see some live music. Well, Baco's going to be there, so if you see him, look for him and uh, tell him we sent you. Heck yeah. So, um, But yeah, I guess we got to get into De- Geeks of the Week soon. Yeah, we probably should. All this stuff, man. There's, there's so much cool stuff going on. You know, there's a lot of ways you can contact us. We talked about all the ways that people contacted us over the Mark Slaughter thing. You can check us out on Facebook. Go ahead like us we're over two thousand now we're ready for three we want three thousand so let's keep on going with that through the website decibelgeek.com that's where the writers and articles and all that good stuff is in t-shirts that's where your t-shirts are at you know you can the emails there you know air all these ways is there's twitter there's there's the do we still have the phone line we do what is what is that number? Let me uh, let me go to my handy dandy gadget here. Do people still use telephones? Some do. Um, the number is five four zero three two four three three five one or five four zero DB Geek one. Right, because we I mean we used to check that from time to time, but we rarely. I mean, has has anybody checked that in a while? Mm-mm. Maybe we should check it. Is there anything on there? Let's see. Oh, there is one. Well, shit, man, play it. What is it? Hi. This is Dave Mustaine of Megadeth. I'm just calling to say thanks, Chris. Thanks, Aaron, for flying the metal flag with Decibel Geek. I also want to give special thanks to Aaron for being the only person to ever pronounce my name correctly. Mustaine. Since the beginning of my career, I always gave journalists the proper pronunciation of my name and even gave them hints with a picture of a moose and a coffee stain. They never listen. I also want to mention that Megadeth will be on tour later this year with a new album featuring Kiko Lariro on guitar and Chris Adler on drums, two new members of the band that I will soon fire. They'll be joining an esteemed list of ex-Megadeth employees, such as Chick Baylor, Chris Broderick, Jimmy DeGrasso, Glenn Drover, Sean Drover, Dave Ellison. I fired him once, fucker came back. Marty Friedman, James Lomenzo, James McDonough, Nick Menza, Al Petrilli, Chris Poland, Gar Samuelson, and Jeff Young. Hell, I can identify half these assholes in the lineup. Now... Again, thanks, Aaron. Thanks, Chris and the Decibel Geek team. I got to go re-record vocals on my next concert DVD. Not that it'll make it sound any better. And yes, I always leave voicemails with my own theme music in the background. Peace sells, bitches. Wow. Nice. See, I told you. Of all people to call. I told you I was the one. I had no no idea that Dave Mustaine sounded like Batman. <laughs> I'd rather have him as Batman. <laughs> so Dave, we, Dave would make a fantastic Batman. So we cleared up that confusion, didn't we? Absolutely. But, I told you guys all along. I knew it. But no, in all seriousness, that's a, that's a, a friend named Loose Cannon who uh, is a writer for DecilGeek.com and actually just launched his own podcast with the aforementioned Baco called Cobras and Fire. It's very cool. Worth checking out. Those are those are our babies. Yeah. Yeah, they're the bastard children of the Decibel Geek podcast. They, they're they're they our babies, that. and we love them very That's much. And, uh, Speaking of people that we love, you know, it's yeah. it's been so much going on, you know, and so many people have shared this last week's episode that we better hurry up and get to the list of the Geeks of the Week, because we got a lot to get to today. Absolutely. So Geeks of the Week this week, these are the people that shared on Facebook and retweeted on Twitter last week's Mark Slaughter interview. You do it this week with this episode, and I'll mention your name next week. That's how it works. 
Geeks of the Week are Dave Shirt, Nico Stavellis, Cobras and Fire, David Alpazar, Rich Dillon, Matt Ashcraft, Brian Odermatt, Brad Kalmanson, Mike Davis, Miguel Nunez, Terry Green, Mike Stewart, Robert DePasqua, Cal Hens, Wayne Cross, Dan Chappett, Ian Wadley of Rock and Metal Combat Podcast, Baco, Billy Hardaway, Trevor McDougal, Colin Francis, James Brendan Dunn, Justin Hayes, Joe Royland, Mark Alden Taylor, Gino Ames, Brent Walter, Matt, Fe- Matt Severson of Paperback Rocker Podcast, Warren Money, Rodney Dixon, Chad Pollock, Kai Velmer, Brian Knapp, Darren Parkins, sit and spin with Joe, the riff of the day, and the rockin' donkey. Otherwise known as a huge list of great friends of the Decibel Geek Podcast, man. We love these guys so much. They're out there every single week. We got a new episode. A lot of these names you're seeing every single week that we're hearing. You know, it's great. I love it. Yeah, they're the hardcore fans. The hardcore fans. The guys that have been with us since the beginning. People that have come on, you know, more recently than that. But people that are digging what we're doing. And I love that. You know, everywhere we go, we're running into people that love hard rock and heavy metal. And it makes me feel good about what we're doing here. Totally. and Especially uh, when we do an episode like we're talking about doing today. Yeah, because uh, we did the, the first one of these a long time ago. And I remember at the time going, well, we'll definitely come back to this. And yeah. it took a while, but we did do it. Because we had talked about, you know, let's look back at some of the stuff we'd done that we meant to go back to and haven't done yet. And right away, I said, buried treasure, man. Because mm-hmm. buried treasure... The whole premise of that is playing music by bands that didn't get the airplay they should have gotten or didn't get the attention they should have gotten. But regardless of all that, have put out some amazing music that we're yeah. going to showcase today. I, that's why I, That's why we do this. Yeah, I mean, I kind of view it as, you know, bands that you know and love, but albums that you may have missed the first right, time. Right, exactly. So I guess you got the first pick. Yeah, and... um. This one, this was a natural first pick, and I'm kind of surprised I didn't pick anything off of it the first time around. Uh, talking about Dawkins' dysfunctional album that came out in 1995. I love it. That's my favorite Dawkins album. Really? Yeah. Is oh, their, yeah. Their fifth studio album came out in May 23rd, 95. Uh, right around the, that's right around the exact month and day, actually, that I graduated high school. Nice. And uh, What a great congratulations present. Yeah. I mean, like a lot of people were cranking uh, Alice in Chains and Nirvana. I was cranking right. Doc. <laughs> yeah. It was a great album. That was Michael Wagner, wasn't yeah, it? Produced yeah, produced by Michael sure. Wagner. And uh, it was the first release after they reunited in 1993. And I remember that was a big deal. Yeah, it was. Um, it entered the chart at number 47 and fell like a stone. Yeah, because they weren't playing it on radio. Uh-uh. It's, Sucks. um, you know, you know, all in all, it has sold around 400,000 copies, at least according to what Don Dawkins had mentioned in interviews. Yeah. But, um, yeah, a lot of great songs on this album and, uh, hard to pick just one, but this is the one I picked. This is Dawkins with Shadows of Life.
Man, that is a fantastic song. I love that whole album. I'm telling you, even mm. the old school stuff. I, you know, I dig the old school doc and stuff. But there's something about that album right there where they're yeah. they're reunited, but not you know things with those guys. It's always volatile. You always. know, I can imagine the the what it was like to be in the studio. Poor Michael Wagner, yeah. you know, pulling all this together. But you know, at the end of the day, it's an amazing album. Yeah. That's definitely definitely I would consider that one buried treasure. Yeah, when we uh, the first time we talked to Michael, um, I remember bringing this album up, and I was like, "You produced the dysfunctional album from Doc," and he just looked at us with this smile and said apt title <laughs> so, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> i was like so what was it like he said it was dysfunctional <laughs> awesome but yeah it's a great sometimes the uh the, the craziest times can bring about you know some really good songs and i think right. it did in that case it, i think that also applies to this next one because my next pick you know when britney fox burst onto the scene in 88 they were a pretty big deal mm-hmm. you know their self-titled debut went to the number 39 on the u.s charts they toured with poison and warrant that's pretty big at the time they had videos on MTV and enjoyed hit singles with uh, Long Way to Love and Girls School. They followed that up with 89's Boys in Heat. And during the tour for that album, Dean Davidson split. Yeah. Out of the band. He's just gone. So, you know, what are they going to do? You know, after he leaves and forms Black Eyed Susan, Brittany Fox regroups with a new lead vocalist named Tommy Paris. And in 1991, they released the album Bite Down Hard. Now, although this one fails to chart in the U.S., this is a highly underrated album. Yeah, so I've heard from a lot of people. I haven't listened to it all the way through myself. I do remember the couple of singles that came out from it. This was something I had to go back and revisit, you know. So for you guys here, this is a prime example. And this is a tune that actually features Zach Wilde adding a little lead work to it. So see if you can pick that out of there. So this is Britney Fox from 1991 off the Bite Down Hard album. And it's called Six Guns Loaded.
the Dizzy Less Britney Fox with you know, from Bite Down Hard. It's funny because from what I've read about it, they said when Dean Davidson left to do Black Eyed Susan, he uh-huh. kind of changed his vocal style. Well, yeah. And when when this Tommy Paris came into Britney Fox, he didn't sound like Dean Davidson, Mm-mm. but he sounded like like Dean Davidson sounded like him, kind of. Really? Yeah, it's weird. That'd do, be something worth looking into. I do remember hearing things that that Dean Davidson like does not look back fondly on this period. Like he was not proud of of the Britney Fox thing. Like we try to distance himself from it quite a bit over the years. Well, and one thing I had read was in an interview with uh, bass player Billy Childs, who plays kick ass on this album, yeah. and, and drummer Johnny D. Um, Billy Childs had said that halfway through that tour. Dean D- Davidson was on like this major ego trip and mm. had worked himself into like a solo contract right. for big money while he was still in Britney Fox. That's a douche move. So when it all comes down, he's like, boom, done. I'm out of here. That's kind of shitty. Yeah. <clears throat> but yeah, 1991, there was not a lot of clamoring for a Britney no. Fox album, but uh, it's it's definitely one that went under the radar. But as you heard in that song, it's a good good tune. Yeah, Michael Kelly Smith, kind of an underrated guitarist. Not a lot of people talk about him, but he really rocks it out on this album. And it also features an appearance by Ricky Rocket. And can we have just a quick moment to reflect on the girl from the Girl School video? <sighs> okay, moving on. Um my next pick, uh, we all know who Quiet Riot is. Shit, yeah, we do. One of the, you know, one of the bands that's responsible for the '80s explosion of the Sunset Strip. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, massive band, been around for a long time, but not the, uh, not terribly popular in 1993. No, not so much. So you know, it's funny. The '90s, you know, we talk about this being a difficult time for a lot of these bands that we love so much, but uh, I think the. Um, the struggle of the time, you know, could produce some really good results, even though we're only hearing them now. Right. Um, they put out an album called Terrified in 93. It was their seventh album released in July on Moonstone Records. Never heard of Moonstone. Never Records. heard of it. It doesn't ring a bell. It was their first album in five years, and it was it marked the return of Kevin Dubrow since his 1987 firing. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, because they had a different singer there for a while. Yeah, I know Paul Shortino fronted yeah. him for a while. And From I, Rough Cut. And I think somebody else did, too. I can't remember who, though. Um, Probably Jizzy Pearl. <laughs> probably. Or, or John Karabi. Or John Karabi. Yeah. yeah, one of them guys. Yeah. Um, this was uh, Kenny Hillary's only studio album with the band, and drummer Bobby Ron, Rondinelli plays on several songs. He plays on a lot of good albums. He does. He's a great drummer. Um, this was the first Quiet Riot album released internationally not to feature the production work of Spencer Proffer, who had produced all of their stuff up to this point. Hmm. And this song that you're about to hear was written by Kevin and Carlos Cavazzo. This is Quiet Riot with Loaded Gun. Down on your love for 
So this episode's uh, sponsored by the NRA with all these songs about guns, right? Wow, yeah, so far. (laughs) Totally by accident. (laughs) You know, the thing about Quiet Riot in those days was even though they were at their, you know, popularity ebb, I guess. Definitely. You know, (laughs) those guys were still out on the road constantly. A lot, yeah. You know, and they were hitting every little small town there was to play a bar in, and those guys were out there, and they were killing it. Yeah, I saw them in... uh must have been 96 or something at yeah. uh, my college at MTSU at Main Street. The show we saw the ride for Dime Show. Yeah, I right saw on. Quiet Ride in that room. Nice. I got yeah. to see Quiet Ride a few times, you know, just because they'd be popping up at some bar in yeah. town in the middle of Wisconsin out of nowhere, yeah. you know? They were, were they've always been a working band. That's what I always respect about Quiet Riot was that they just never gave up. Mm-hmm. You know, never gave up. It's Love better, it. It's better than asking if you want fries with that. Heck yeah. You know, we're kind of doing a lot of these bands so far are like bands that, you know, we talk about had their height, but then later on we're at their not so popularity point peak i guess and you know here's another one that kind of fits right along with what we're doing because poison made a huge impact when they debuted in 1986 and basically amplified that success from there for the next five years but by 1991 things were getting a little funny Mm -hmm. now you're talking about two triple platinum along with one quadruple platinum album released over the years all three were top three charting albums in the u.s huge hit singles like unskinny bop something to believe in and of course Every rose has its thorn. Yeah. You ever heard that one before? I've played it in a junior high talent show. <laughs> nice. Yeah. No, it wasn't, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> These guys had top grossing headline tours. You know, the story, sex, drugs, rock and roll, and plenty of it. Mm. You know, and it all pretty much comes to a head in 1991 at the MTV Music Awards. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> if you were around and you remember oh, it, this is classic rock and wonderful. roll. You know, mm. the way the way it was great, you know, yes. at one time. Yeah, yeah, the description is the best applied as, CC says, fuck it. <laughs> yes, most definitely. 
So after that debacle, Poison would replace CC and continue on. And CC would spend the next few years getting fucked up. Very. Very fucked up. Yeah. But, you know, you can only do that for so long. So eventually, after going through some pretty serious shit, CC DeVille cleans it up and gets sober and starts working on music again. And in 2001, he releases an amazing album called Samantha 7. It's a great album. That nobody's ever really heard. Well, we have. We have. Yeah. Well, we're the Decibel Geek Podcast. Yeah. And so today, we're going to share it with the rest of you. So from the year 2000, off their self-titled debut their only album yeah it's a great tune there's a lot of great songs in this album but this one's called bury me Good old Bruce Johansson, otherwise known as C.C. DeVille. 
freaking awesome. CC handles all the guitars, all the lead vocals. Yep. He's got Chris Barato on bass and Francis Ruiz on drums. It's not Poison. No, it's it's different than Poison. But you know, you could tell CC has a, a power pop influence on his. Oh, his, most his definitely. Songwriter. It's almost got like a punkiness he to does. it. You know. You know, and then, uh, what was it though? Remember the Power to the People album they had, they put out? Yeah. They had a song with CC singing on it called "I Hate Every Bone in Your Body But Mine." That song fucking rules. <laughs> I love C.C. DeVille. I like it when he sings. Some I people will bitch, you know, and say, you know, God, don't sing C.C., but man, I love it. Especially on the Samantha 7 stuff, he's good. But yeah, and uh, you know, C.C. DeVille was one of my earliest, you know, like rock heroes. Yeah, mine yeah. too. Poison was a mine big deal too. to me when I was about 12 years old, and you know, I loved all the guitars. He had the flashiest guitars of anybody back in those days. Right. Yeah, that big skull BC Rich guitar. Oh, that was awesome. Yeah, I, you know, I remember like begging my parents to to learn how to play guitar and you know, like, I want that guitar. And they're like, Well, we're not gonna buy you a guitar that looks like a skull. <laughs> but, you know, I wound up getting a, a, a fake um Steinberger J C Penny model. It looked like a Steinberger with no head on it. Yeah. It's like the Vito Brada type guitar. Oh, right that was on. my first electric guitar. Nice. But yeah, Poison and White Lion and bands like that, that was I was all about that stuff i'll always remember going to the local pomita if you're if you're above a certain line in the united states you you'll know what a pomita is right. if you remember and buying the the look what the cat dragged in cassette tape and my mom looking at it going oh they're pretty thought they were women <laughs> so yeah. they were dudes like, what <laughs> that reminds me um yeah because I, I remember when, when i first got in poison was the first band that i really kind of really went all in on and my parents were horrified by it. Yeah. And, you know, they're like, oh, my God. And then I remember when I... So then I made the transition from Poison to Kiss. Right. And I brought... I remember I brought back, like, the Ace Fraley uh, solo album on cassette and Dynasty on cassette. And I bought it at the local record store. I would go back to my grandmother's, and my mom was like, oh, what'd you get? And I'm like, oh, this new band that I'm really into. This this is my favorite new band. And she saw it, she's like, oh, God, Kiss. <laughs> and I st- I'll, never f- you I'll, too. I'll, I'll never forget her words. She goes, well, at least they look like clowns and not like women. <laughs> <laughs> So my mom busted my balls oh, at like man. the age of eleven or twelve. That's awesome. Yeah, Miss Sinzak rules. Yeah, she's great. <laughs> All right, man, you're up next. All right. Um, okay, so yeah, this is uh, anyway. We're talking about a band that was. We've talked about playing, ba- you know, music from bands that kind of their career was kind of on a downswing, and a lot of them stayed that way. Like Quiet Riot, you know, has had some success since then, but not a lot. Um, this is a band that had a huge success, then a huge ebb in popularity, and then huge again. I'm talking about Aerosmith. So the early '80s were not kind to Aerosmith. The band, the drug abuse was at an all-time high. Joe Perry was out of the band for a while. Yeah, they had you know Brad Whitford was out of the band for a while. Yeah, Steven Tyler didn't know where the hell he was for a while. <laughs> um, they, they were a mess, but. As I said, sometimes horrible times can lead to really stunning results musically. Right, most definitely. So in 82, they put out Rock in a Hard Place. This was their seventh studio album released August 1st, 1982. It's the only Aerosmith album not to feature Joe Perry following his departure from the band in 1979. Although, you know, Night in the Ruts, he's not on some of that, too. Yeah. Um, They spent $1.5 million recording this album. Um, Brad Whitford leaves the band during the recording in 1981. This album kind of spanned for a while. So they get is this the one is Jimmy Crespo playing on this? Um yeah. Well yeah, Jimmy Jimmy Crespo and Rick Dufay are brought in. Okay. Um Whitford is billed as an additional musician and can be he can be heard playing rhythm guitar on the single Lightning Strikes, which a lot of people remember that band they band still plays that song live from time to time. It's a great yeah. song. 
Um, this song here that I'm about to play was written by Steven Tyler and Jimmy Crespo. This is Aerosmith from 1982's Rock in a Hard Place with Bolivian Ragamuffin. song yeah and uh you know that's before steven tyler became a country music superstar <laughs> and a judge on talent shows yeah. on tv i got i had to bring it up yeah please come on the show steven you're in oh, town man yeah <laughs> we're just right up the road we are literally <laughs> man we're having fun today we're, we're playing all this great music for you um we got a bunch more to go before we go too much further i want to remind you guys you know if you're going to do any amazon shopping do it through our link you know and the basically We've said it before, I'll say it again. 
we're basically an infomercial for rock and roll. Sure. We we want you to go and support these artists, you know, that, that we all love so much. You guys are tuning into the show because you love these kind of bands, and they're out there, and they deserve to get paid for all the great stuff they've given us, you know? True. So if you want to give it back to the bands, you want to help us out a little bit, you go to decibelgeek.com. What? You haven't been to decibelgeek.com lately? Holy shit, have you been missing out? Looks a little different. Looks a lot different. <laughs> I love it. Massive uh, overhaul. Massive yeah. overhaul, rock and roll style at decibelgeek.com. And if you haven't been there lately, you're missing out. Because not only is that the place to get your t-shirts and everything else that you need, Decibel Geeks to get the style, your coffee mugs, your yachts and boats and whatever else you need. <laughs> your coffin, <laughs> condoms. Yeah, coffin, condoms, yeah. it's all there, Decibel <laughs> Geek. Um, that's where you're going to find the newly revamped articles. And the writers, they're all over the world. They're, they're kicking back the rock and roll. They're telling us what's going on in the places that we can't be. Yes. We're just two people. We can't be everywhere. No, you know, that's why we, we live vicariously through our writers. Exactly, exactly. Especially man. Rich, who just got approval for M3, and he's going to go to Hellfest. He's going to all these different places. It's so funny to think back that when we first started this and said, hey, you know, if you're going to a concert and you want to write a review of that concert, go up to the dude, stand at us. the curtain, and say you're with the Decibel Geek podcast. Either they're going to say, get out of here, or they're <laughs> going to say, huh, sounds like it must be something. Come on. Right. You know, and how far it's grown since then. And to look at the website today, the way it looks, yeah. it just blows my mind. It's, it's been a fun four years. People, there, there's a podcast here, too. Yeah. You know? We're listening to it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget about us. Please don't. So we'll talk about some more forgotten albums, some buried treasure. That's yeah. what we're talking about here today, and it's awesome. So, you know, here's another band that fits right along with what we've been talking about. By the time Faster Pussycat released The Power and the Glory Hole. Lovely. <laughs> it'd been a long 16 years since the success of House of Pain, and a lot has changed since then for this band. You know, we're talking 2006. In 1993, the band just kind of came off tour and never got back together. They just went away. They started going to Nirvana concerts. Or something. Doing something. Tammy Down ended up pursuing a darker, more industrial sound and formed the band The Newly Deads with former Bang Tango bassist Kyle Kyle. I remember them. You ever hear any of that? I think yeah. I've played a little bit on the show. It wasn't really for me. I liked it. I thought it was really good. So then in 2001, Tammy Down reunites with guitarist Brent Musket and Greg Steele to reform the band. The lineup was rounded out by newly dead members Kristen Simon and Danny Nordahl, along with Chad Stewart. Those guys are awesome. I've seen them play with a couple of different bands. Mm -hmm. But it wouldn't be long before the Faster Pussycat Originals would kind of get phased out of the group, and a big dispute over the ownership of the Faster Pussycat name would ensue. In 2006, with Tammy Down as the sole remaining member of Faster Pussycat, they released their first new studio album in over 14 years. Mm-hmm. You got to be a hardcore faster pussycat fan to stick around fourteen <laughs> years waiting on an album. But you know what? I bought it. Yeah. Since I'm the only one that bought so it, I feel the one. I feel like I should let you guys all know that in 2006, Faster Pussycat came out with an album. So here's a little taste for you. You're gonna find that it's a little bit Faster Pussycat. It's a little bit Newly Deads. It's kind of a blend between the two. But here you go. Self-titled debut. Self-titled song. The Power in the Glory Hole on the Decibel Geek Podcast. It's Faster Pussycat. Hey, hey, hey. 
That's faster Hitler cat with power yeah. of the glory hole. <laughs> it's, you know, they look a lot different. They, uh, yeah. you know, they, they're different. Yeah. They're definitely different. The, you want to talk about a band that definitely took a left turn over the years, it's them. But, you know, for that album, for what it is, it ain't bad. And like mm. I said, I think I'm the only one that bought it. I actually sent some to money to Michigan or something. Somebody, <laughs> somebody sent me that disc when it first came out in uh, 2006. I was a big Faster Pussycat fan, man. I love that band. That's fine, man. And that's even cool. even nowadays, they're still out there doing it. Yeah. You know, they're still out there playing and they're still kicking ass. I took the wife to see them. They still bust out House of Pain for the ladies. Yeah, you I've know, never it's, seen it's, them live. And I always wanted to. It's a good, sh- good show. You know, this album features appearances by C.C. Deville, um, Dredgen from uh, Michael Monroe Band, and Ed Mundell from the Monster Magnet. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, <laughs> that's, that's about it. See, I just thought I'd let everybody know that there, there was a last Faster Pussycat album. That's cool. I'd like to hear another one. I'd like to see the actual band reunite and kind of come out with like a Wake Me When It's Over kind yeah, of album. I, That'd I'm be not, fantastic. Yeah, I'm wondering. I don't know if, if uh, Brett Muscat and, and Tammy are on friendly terms now. I know he lives out in Vegas now and does the Sin City Centers band. Right, that's cool. But, um, yeah, I'm not sure if they're on good terms now or, now or not. It'd be, it'd be interesting to hear what they could put together, though. It'd be very cool. <laughs> if they went into it and said, all right, for the next six months, we're only going to listen to the first two albums. Yeah. <laughs> And, and then we're gonna, then so, we're gonna go make yeah, a new one. We're gonna lock up the, the goth makeup and put away right. the armbands and yeah. all that. Yeah, I remember that look. That was a strange look. Okay, so um, this is uh, my second to last pick of the show. Um, no, you got a couple. Oh yeah, second. Oh, second I got you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, there you are. So for the next pick, um, I haven't played a Thin Lizzy tune in a long time, and uh, you know Thin Lizzy had their share of hits, but. A lot of Thin Lizzy's catalog you could call a buried treasure, honestly. I would say so, yeah. Um, Just about anything they ever came out with. This was an album that was actually pretty much panned by a lot of the fans, but uh, I love it. And uh, this is an album called Renegade that came out in 1981. It was their 11th studio album. Though not his first appearance, this was the first album in which keyboard player Darren Wharton was credited as a permanent member. Um, He became the fifth member of the band. And he made a contribution on the song I'm about to play here. He's very heavily involved in it. Um, even though he had officially joined the band, his picture was omitted from the album sleeve. So, you know, the, the keyboard player stigma continues. Mm, they gave him the Gary Corbett treatment. <laughs> they did. And um, this was the second and final album to feature guitarist Snowy White. Um, by his own admission, uh, Snowy White was, was more suited to playing blues than heavy rock, and he quit by mutual agreement the following year great guitar player though and i and i love his work on this but of course you know john sykes would come in later and heavy up their sound a little yeah, bit Yeah, john but, sykes is kick ass but like even though snowy white's a, a is a bluesy player i think he plays some really heavy stuff on this one and so uh this album was produced by chris sangarides who produced a lot of people um but yeah this is thin lizzy from renegade in 1981 with angel of death
there's a song that I wish Black Star Riders would would break out live. Yeah, because it's uh, it's a great one. And I've I've heard uh, an interview with a, a friend of mine show called Rock Solid that Pat Francis hosted. He would ask, I think he'd asked him about like, why don't you guys play Angel of Death live? And he's like, well. Do we really want to bring a keyboard player out on the road to yeah. play to play one song? Because that's the only song that they really would play live that would have keyboards. Right. So it's that's like, true. You can bring a tape, I guess. Yeah, I guess you could. But it's a it's a dark fucking song. I mean, it really is. It's it doesn't it doesn't match up to Slayer's Angel of Death as far as heaviness <laughs> goes. But um, you know, it's got that heaviness to it anyway. But it's a it's a dark subject matter. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's uh, Phil was going through some really crazy shit at that time in his life. So you could tell he was he was writing from his heart at the time. Yeah, this Thin Lizzy in '81. Yeah, that's Slim Pickens. And I'm telling you, I don't care what people say. Renegade is a fucking great album. Yeah, it's like you say. Sometimes out of desperation comes some really oh, great stuff. art. You well, because you're writing from from a rough rough place. Yeah, you, you find know, that a lot. Tragedy uh, breeds greatness, I guess. Sometimes, maybe that might come true. You know, between bands that have been there to the mountaintops, and you know, and a lot of these bands we talked about today had like long runs at the top. You know, and really yeah. enjoyed it for a while before things slowly dropped off. But by 1996, it had only been a few just short years since Ugly Kid Joe had gone double platinum with the album America's Least Wanted. Two albums later, the band's been dropped by Mercury and are releasing an independent album called Motel California. And although this album is loaded, just loaded with amazing rock tunes, in 96, nobody heard it. Mm -hmm. You know, which is a shame because it's an amazing album. This would be... You know, this is this counts as buried treasure to me because there's not a bad song in the entire thing and nobody's heard it. So I got to let you know. And this tell me this song wouldn't have been a hit single on radio. You know, if it would have got some airplay, I know it would have been. So from 1996 Motel California album, it's Ugly Kid Joe with Would You Like to Be There. Right. 
Mellow by Ugly yeah. Kid Joe standards, but you know, t- tell me that one to Benny. Yeah, well, that's I, an amazing song. I always thought that you know that their name is silly, and they always and they got they got dragged down by the silly name and the novelty of their right. early stuff. Yeah, I and hate like, everything about yeah, and you. Everyone, and, like, you know, like that out that song was a blessing and a curse for that band. True, it got them through the door and made them popular. Right, but then people wouldn't take them seriously after that. So it's like you know, well, their name's kind of based on a joke to begin with, so they're a joke. Or right. they're a joke band. But now the joke's not funny anymore. But they've, but they've written a lot of great straight-up rock and roll songs. It's like, wait a minute, you guys are great, but you're not funny anymore. What's going on here? Well, even with that, um, when we interviewed Whitfield, you know, and they had that Stairway to Hell EP out. Yeah. there's, I mean, it's a great straight-up, you know, hard rock album. And, oh, it's killer. And, you know, people but people hear that name, they automatically think, oh, it's the band that did the I Hate Everything About You song. Right. And, or they did the Cats, Cats in, the in the Cradle. cradle. Yeah. So they get, you know, I just hate when people put bands into a box like that and sure. they're definitely a case of that absolutely you know shortly after the release of motel california ugly kid joe would split up like you say they reunited in 2010 released that successful ep stairway to hell and in 2012 um they released that album but now they're set to release their first full-length album since motel california and it's coming out this year oh really yeah hmm. it was one of those deals where they get the uh the 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 funding. funding, yeah, the crowdfunding, and they set it up, and bam, they got it. Huh. You know, the fans really came together on this, and so waiting some U.S. dates still. As I was say, yeah, come tour, on, tour the, Euro, the U.S. guys. We're waiting on you. Though, how long ago was that? A couple years now. A couple years ago, you told us you were coming. We're still waiting for you, <laughs> but we're damn sure ready for that new album. Yeah, yeah. So, um, in the meantime, go back and check out Motel California. You will not regret it. And check out our interview with Whitfield Crane. It was yeah, cool. yeah, really good. Before it's in the archive. <laughs> <laughs> Aaron Camaro at his most fanboy. <laughs> yeah, I was so excited to to tell him that I had booked. The, well, initially we booked Klaus to to come yeah, on the show, which would have been which awesome been fine. too. And then Klaus emails and goes, "Sorry guys, I can't do it. I've got a scheduling conflict. Is Whitfield okay?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I think." Think that's, I guess that's okay. so. I guess you'll be all right. <laughs> so yeah, that was the least and amount of the least amount of prep I ever had to do for an interview. <laughs> <laughs> Same here. It was all in my head. Back and let Aaron talk. It was all in my head. I love that band. So um, I've got one more, and you know we, we could go back to this theme over and over again. So these and are, we should. These are just five of the ones that I would pick this time. We but, just um, have so many ideas all the time that come up. We're like, let's try this. Let's try that. You yeah. Know? And I wish we had. I wish we could put out more shows than one a week. Well, maybe we'll have to do something about that. Mm. Um, so yeah, this is uh, nobody was talking about Rat in 1999. It was Rat was kind of a dead issue at the time. Nobody yeah. talked about them. But they did put out a self-titled album. It was their sixth studio album, released July 6 on Portrait Records. I mean, they were. Uh, they were the they were the record company that was kind of saving hair metal at the time. They yeah, all, trying they had to. all those bands out. Um, some bands were still out on the road and still making money out there. Yeah, the album was produced by Richie Zito, who worked with Cheap Trick, White Lion, Poison, and a bunch of others. Um, but yeah, it's it's a pretty good album. Um, but yeah, there, I don't have a whole lot of notes about this because there's not a lot to find about this album because yeah. it came out in '99 and everyone ignored it. But this is a cool tune. This is Rat with a song called Breakdown.
Stephen Piercy and the guys from Rap. Yeah, that really was a great album, an underrated one. I've got that, and I like it. I love the production quality on it. It's yeah, got a I good sound to it, you know, and that's not a Bo Hill-produced album, which he did most no. of their stuff. But um, not no disrespect to Bo, but I do like hearing them change it up with somebody else. But have you seen what uh, Blotzer is up to now? What's he doing now? Well, you know, Stephen left the band, and yes. he's made it pretty clear he's not coming back. Right. But of course, we've heard that before. But, yeah, that's true. But um, <laughs> Blotzer just announced this thing where it's going to be him and just some guest musicians getting together to basically do like a rat tribute show hmm. where they play, they're going to play, was it Dancing Undercover? They're going to play one album in its entirety. It's like the who's, 30th anniversary of it. Who's in the band? Some other guys from other bands. Nobody else from rat. It's just hmm. Bobby. And, uh, Featuring the drummer. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, dude. And uh, and then there's like a like a hundred and fifty dollar meet and greet or something like that. I don't. It does it to say, meet the drummer. To meet the drummer. So, yeah. <laughs> I never intended Ooh. on having Blotzer on the show, so I don't give a shit. But um, I wouldn't mind it. I uh, think it'd be cool. It'd be fun. I wouldn't go for one hundred and fifty dollars. But no. Um, yeah, and then Piercy is out doing his thing, playing solo gigs. And, yeah. You know, I don't know. I'd love to hear Warren Demartini put a, a solo album out or an instrumental yeah. album or something. How about that how guy's about a great player? Arcade reunion. Oh, that'd be cool. That'd be really. I liked cool. Arcade a lot. Me too. Yeah, him and Fred Corey. They were. That was a good yeah, band. That was a good band. Yeah, and they, another one. That they, would be. They got, yeah, they got swept under the rug during the grunge era, too. But, That's um, too bad. Yeah, People missed out on that one also. But yeah, catch uh, Bobby Blotzer in your local bingo hall somewhere around, somewhere <laughs> near you. <laughs> Hanging out with some dudes, playing some rat. Playing rat cover tunes. Sitting in a room by himself with a pen and some yeah. papers. No autographs to be signed. Right. Poor guy. Yeah. Good old Bobby Blotzer. Wow. So yeah, that's, uh, that's my last. Taking a sad turn. Uh, whatever. <laughs> he's he's not he's not dealing with a, a cubicle job like I am. So he's yeah, doing that's better true. than me. That's true. <laughs> I can't say I was in Rat. That's true. I was in L.A. Guns, just yeah. like everyone else. Was. Me too. For like ten minutes in '84. Yeah. Um. No, no, that was '94. <laughs> that's what kind of the era a lot of these albums have come out in today but that's cool because that's what buried treasure is all about you got to go back and look at some of this stuff because you may have missed it the first time around but that's why we're here to help you out we've got one more here to go before we get out of here you know of course you guys are loving the new website we we love that you're loving it we're loving it too um support our writers give them likes when you see them on Please. facebook when you, you see their articles out share that shit you know get it around so people can hear it you know, when we got an episode out, we know we got people sharing it for us all the time. All our diehards, We're very jo thankful. Join in on the party. Help us spread the word of the Decibel Geek because we are the. We're the guys, you know, we're, the, we're your dudes, you know. We're hooking <laughs> you up with the hardcore, not the hardcore, but the hard rock and the heavy metal and maybe some hardcore one day we're gonna do a hardcore episode we, we, we already did rap rock we've already we've, let's we've, not, ju we've let's jumped not off push enough it. cliffs yeah, already let's year. not push it yeah, yeah we we did rap rock no hardcore no yeah. death metal nothing like that <laughs> um but you never know what we got coming up because you know we're meeting cool people all the time you all know the time. you guys are even helping us out sometimes you know if you, if you see one of your favorite artists out there and you say hey these guys on the Decibel Geeks podcast is supporting these bands. Let them know. Let them know about us. Tell them when they're on the show. You know, yeah. whatever. However you can help spread the word, yeah. I encourage you to do it. The next time you see Vinny Vincent, tell him about it. Tell him about the Decibel Geek <laughs> podcast. If he's, <laughs> you get away from me. Yeah. All right. Are we ready to wrap it up? Yeah, I think we're good. All right. I got one more piece of 
beautiful, beautiful buried treasure for you. Now, I want to talk to you about the first Dio album not to chart in the U.S. This is basically a super group we're talking about here. You got Vinny Apice on drums, Tracy G on guitar, and Jeff Pilsen on bass. Mm-hmm. Now, this is an era where Ronnie had kind of purposely moved away from the Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> lyrics. You know, it's, it is 1996 after all, you know, and he's focusing on some even scarier shit the real world. Scarier than dragons, I'm telling you. Especially these days. Yeah, even even then, you know. So, you know, I just don't feel like, you know, I feel like it confused the hardcore Dio fans, but I don't feel like it gets the respect it deserves in the Dio discography because it's packed full of great metal tunes. You know, if I have any complaint on the album, it maybe is the production because I think maybe Ronnie was influenced by Osmosis that Mm. it came out the year before. And as we know... You know, it's an album that was also a victim to the popular Soundgarden muddy guitar sound that, you know, they got that treatment. It was the big movement at the time, you know, and yep. in retrospect, it kind of dates those albums, I totally think. Totally dates them. Doesn't make them timeless as some of their other works, you know, talk about Ozzy and Dio. But this album, I think, you know, if you can get past that, it's mm-hmm. definitely worth revisiting. And I'm talking about the 1996 album Angry Machines. So, to wrap things up here today, I can't think of a better way to do it than with Dio. So, check this one out. I think you're going to like it. We'll see you next week for more Decibel Geek Podcast. This one's called Golden Rules. See ya.
All right, KISS Army. Since 2007, you've been getting podkissed. The KISS audio fanzine for your ears. That's right, it's your podkissed. Every month, the podkissed crew, along with the KISS room, brings you KISS talk like no one else. Whether it be roundtables, interviews with the band past and present, analysis, and great KISS fun. Hi, this is Ace Frehley, and you're listening to Podkiss. Hi, this is Bruce Kulick, and you're listening to Podkiss. The Podkiss, the KISS audio fanzine for your ears. 